We're going to take a look at another wilderness story today, part three of our Wonderland series. In week one, we talked about Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It's a very powerful reminder that God will provide in seasons of wilderness, even in places like this, where the necessities of life, food and water and rest are not easily in view that God will provide, even in seasons where we can't muster the resources all on our own. God will provide. With God, it's a wilderness without wanting. Then last week, we read the story of Jesus in the wilderness, and we saw how his experience mirrors the experience of Israel in the wilderness. We discovered that God can use wilderness seasons, like the one we're in right now. God can use them for our benefit, to humble us, to remind us that we're not God and we don't need to be, and to test us, to ask us the question, will you trust me? Will you trust me here in this season? And God can use the wilderness to teach us, to teach us once again that we can indeed rely on God in this season and in every season. But remember, that story of Jesus in the wilderness is a story of temptation, of being tempted not to rely on God, but instead to turn away from God and to rely on ourselves. So if we put these stories together then, we see that in the wilderness we can be confident. We can be confident in God's provision. We can be confident that God will protect But the wilderness is still a dangerous place, full of pitfalls and temptations. So we can be confident, yes, but we must also be diligent. Diligent in our attention to God through worship and prayer and scripture, focused on God, standing not in our own strength, relying not on our own resources, but on the promises of God. This morning, we're going to read a third wilderness story, and it's going to shift our focus slightly away from ourselves and toward others, toward our neighbors in the wilderness. We call it the story of the Good Samaritan, and it turns our attention to other people in seasons of wilderness, challenging us to consider how we should respond. It's from Luke chapter 10, and if you've got your Bible with you, the story starts in verse 25. If you've downloaded this morning's worship guide, it's printed there for you. Let's read. Just then, a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? What do you read there? The lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said to him, you have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell into the hands of robbers who stripped him, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, while traveling, came near him, and when he saw him, he was moved with pity. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, having poured oil and wine on them. Then he put him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him. 
and when I come back, I will repay you whatever more you spend. Which of these three, do you think, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The lawyer said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, the word wilderness doesn't actually show up in our story, but what we know is that the story takes place on the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And if you put yourself into that landscape, you discover that a vast majority of that road goes through the wilderness. Wilderness just like this on the screen behind me. It's a wilderness road that these men are traveling. And it's an incredibly challenging road, even by the standards of travel in Bible times. There's a significant elevation change between Jerusalem and Jericho, but it's not a gentle slope from one place to the other. To travel in the wilderness road is to go up and down and up and down with no shade to protect you from the beating sun, with no protection from the driving wind. There was nowhere to stop and resupply along that 17-mile journey between Jerusalem and Jericho. The trip was dangerous. If you had a problem, you were on your own. What you carried with you on that road could literally mean the difference between life and death. And so you only traveled this road when you had to. You packed carefully for the trip and you lingered no longer than necessary. And portions of this wilderness road still survive today. Here's a picture of it you'll see on your screen. Actually, this picture is from a trip from, uh, is from a trip that Elizabeth and I took to Israel several years ago. This is us with some pastor friends walking on the wilderness road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And the thing I want you to notice is how small this road is. It's less a road, more a path. It's hardly as wide as the sidewalk that goes up and down Newcastle Street right outside the church. And if you've ever walked or run on the trail that goes around Rice University, that's the size of the path we're talking about. And in this pandemic season of life, when it's important to keep our distance from people, I've noticed that it's nearly impossible to stay six feet away from people on trails like this. And that's important for our story. Because in our story, there are two people who pass by an injured man on the wilderness road, and they do nothing to help. And once we know how small this road is, how difficult for them it would have been to be even six feet away from this injured man, we see that this priest and this Levite have no excuse. It's not that they didn't see the man. It's not that they didn't know he needed help. It's that they didn't want to help. So Jesus tells the story of the Good Samaritan to remind us that God is as concerned about our neighbors as God is about us. And when our neighbors find themselves in need, when their lives enter a season of wilderness, God intends that we help them. So let's take another look at the story. There's a lawyer, and I invite you to insert your own bad lawyer joke here. There's a lawyer who stood up to test Jesus, and he does that, as lawyers do, by asking a question that he already knows the answer to. What must I do, he says. So when Jesus turns the question back around to him, the lawyer's got a great answer prepared. It's an answer that comes from Deuteronomy chapter 6 and from Leviticus chapter 19. Core scriptures for the people of Israel. Love the Lord your God, he says, with all your heart, soul, and might, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
Jesus says, that's the right answer. Do this and you will live. Of course, the lawyer has another question. He wants to know, who is my neighbor? In the story, he's got a selfish motive, but it's a good question because both in Hebrew and in Greek, the words for neighbor have a wide range of possible meanings. A neighbor could be a very close friend. A neighbor could be someone you work with. A neighbor could be somebody who lives nearby. A neighbor could simply be a fellow human being. The law that they quote from Deuteronomy and from Leviticus doesn't offer a clear definition of the term neighbor, so it's a legitimate question. Who is my neighbor? And Jesus answers the question. He answers the question by telling the story of the Good Samaritan. The story begins with an unnamed man, probably a Jewish man, who leaves Jerusalem for a trip that will take him to Jericho. Along the way, he's attacked by thieves, and it's a brutal attack. They strip him of his clothing, they rob him, they beat him, they leave him for dead. This wounded traveler is in desperate need of help on a wilderness road, a place where help from a fellow traveler was unlikely. All things considered, he probably wasn't going to survive the night. But fortune smiled upon him. Not only did someone come along, it was a fellow Jewish man who, who of all things, was a priest. Certainly, this man of God would know the language of Leviticus 19.18, which directs God's people to love your neighbor as yourself. Hallelujah. Help has arrived. Except that it hasn't. The priest passed by on the other side. And remember, to appreciate the callousness of his behavior, we need to realize that what we are calling a road is nothing more than a narrow hiking trail. Next comes a Levite, a man who belonged to the family line in Israel that was responsible for teaching the scriptures to the people. This man certainly would know the language of Leviticus, love your neighbor as yourself. Surely this man of God would help a neighbor in need. Again, no. This story so far reminds me of a cartoon that I used to watch in the afternoons when I was a kid. It was a, a G.I. Joe cartoon. And, and what I remember is that each episode would end in the same way, with some sort of lesson. The commander or whoever he was would illustrate this lesson, and, and he'd end with the words. He'd say, knowing is half the battle. The priest and the Levite, they know they know what the scripture says. They know what God requires of them. The battle was half over, but they left the other half out. They didn't do what they knew they should do. That's when another traveler comes into view, a Samaritan. And when we read this, we're supposed to think it's bad news. Because the Jews and the Samaritans, well, let's just say they weren't friends. The Jews themselves saw themselves as God's chosen ones. And in the minds of most Jewish people of the time, it was clear the Samaritans were God's unchosen ones. Each group had disdain for the other. Each group was known for harassing the other. So if the priest and the Levite, the holy men from among God's chosen people, if they passed by, we're supposed to expect even less from the Samaritan. But this Samaritan is different, and the story goes on to describe in some detail just how different he was. By contrast to the first two men who ignored the wounded traveler, the Samaritan saw him and took pity on him. And then he engaged in a set of actions that show his love for the man. He went to him and bandaged his wounds. 
He put him on his own animal. He took him to an inn. He paid out of his pocket for his medical treatment. And when he had finished telling the story, Jesus turned to the lawyer and asked, Which of these three, then, do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The one who showed him mercy. The question of who is our neighbor appears twice in this story. And it's answered by the example of the compassionate, merciful Samaritan. A neighbor is not just a family member. It's not just a person who lives close by. It's not just a person of the same social, ethnic, or racial group. A neighbor, according to Jesus, is a fellow human being in need. So I want to close this morning with a twofold challenge for you that springs from this story. First, Don't let the wilderness be an excuse. One of the reasons we're reading all these wilderness stories is that we, here in 2020, are in a wilderness season of our own. You know this. There's a global pandemic. There's an economic meltdown. There's tense conversations about race. There is political strife. There are deepening divisions among all sorts of people. It's a wilderness road, and it's hard traveling. For those in need, the danger and the fear is real. The shadow side of that is that for those with some relative strength, for those with some resources, for those who are on this road but well-provisioned, well, the wilderness can provide cover and space for all sorts of bad behavior. In the story, the robbers use the isolation of the wilderness to beat a man, to take his stuff, and to leave him for dead, all without any apparent consequence. The priest and the Levite should have stood in stark contrast to these forces of evil and destruction, but they don't. Instead, like the robbers, they use the isolation and the anonymity of the wilderness to conceal their loveless actions. They passed by the man indeed because because no one would ever know. Because their callousness, their lovelessness would not cost them anything. We might be in a similar setting one in which nobody would blame us for focusing on ourselves, for thinking first or only about ourselves, because life is hard right now. And sometimes the best we can do is put one foot in front of the other. The wilderness road is difficult to travel for everyone. But if you find yourself feeling relatively strong, if you find yourself well-provisioned on this journey— Don't let the wilderness be an excuse for disengaging from those in need. Don't let the wilderness be an excuse for withholding love from someone who needs it. Now, the second part of the challenge, look for your neighbor in need. This season of shared pandemic wilderness brings a unique set of challenges for everyone. But for many of our neighbors, it's, it, it simply exacerbates the more mundane tragedies and challenges of life. Someone they love has died. They've lost their job. They're caring for a chronically ill or aging family member. They're struggling with addiction or substance abuse. Their most important relationships are breaking apart. The list goes on and on, and when we start to make a, a list of all the difficulties that our neighbors face, it can begin to feel overwhelming. I know that I'm supposed to help. I know that I'm supposed to love them, but where do I start? 
When do I start? How much time, how much money, how much effort should I devote to assisting others who are struggling in the wilderness? For guidance, let's look at the story one more time. The Samaritan was not assisting everyone, was he? Just the one person he met whom others could not or would not help. I wonder who that might be for you. When you look around your life, the people you know, is there a neighbor in need? Just one person whom others cannot or will not help that maybe you could? When you encounter the person that the Lord has designated for you to help, God will make it clear that this is your neighbor in need. Your task need not be to help everyone. Your task is to look for and see your neighbor in need. To ask like the lawyer in our story, who is my neighbor? Well, that just might be a polite way of asking, who's not my neighbor? In other words, who doesn't deserve my love? Who can I ignore? And the answer Jesus gives is no one. Everyone deserves the love and compassion and mercy that we can offer. And the best explanation I've heard for why the priest and the Levite refuse to help, the best ex explanation I've heard for why the priest and the Levite pass by comes from Martin Luther King Jr., who preached on this text and said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you what my imagination tells me. It's possible that these men were afraid. And so the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, what will, help, what will happen to me? But then the Good Samaritan came by, and he reversed the question. If I do not stop to help this man, what will happen to him? Let's pray. God of us all, your love never ends, and we are confident that you are guiding us that you are protecting us, and that you are providing for us in this wilderness season. So we pray that you will stir up in us such compassion for others that we will not be stingy or selfish with our love, but we'll look for our neighbor in need and pour ourselves out for them, just as you have done for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.